As Judy says, I'm Lorraine C. I'm Alanon and from Cheyenne. This is the second time I've, in my life I've gotten up in front of a group. And the first time I couldn't even get the first words out of my mouth. So I'm improving. Um, I have to be very grateful to Alanon. I didn't come into the program until after my husband went through recovery. And I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. I thought it was all his fault. Um, our son's been in AA for almost 10 years, around 10 years. And of course, none of it was my fault. It was all his fault. Our daughter's been all through a lot of problems and uh, some drinking problems. She's in Al-Anon right now. And it's done wonders for our family. I... Um, you know, they say you can't teach old dogs new tricks. But it was amazing what I learned at the age of 60. That I am a, a person, I'm an individual, I have my likes and my dislikes, I have my own dreams and wishes, and they're, they're all coming true. Um, our family has gotten back together, we're getting very close. Um, it's just a wonderful life. My story is probably a little different than some of the others that, that I've heard. I did not come from a dysfunctional family. I did not come from an alcoholic family, except for one exception, my grandfather. But back then, I had no idea that there was alcoholism. Um, he was a little old Scotchman that had his nips. Uh, Grandma always made dandelion wine every spring, so it would be ready for medicinal purposes the following winter if Grandpa stayed out of it, which uh, usually by wintertime there was no dandelion wine left. <laughs> and I learned later that uh, he did a lot more than taking nips. When uh, there were ration coupons out, I understood later he would swap or swap Grandma's meat ration coupons for liquor, license, or liquor coupons. He uh, stole a lot of her savings bonds so he'd have the money to buy the liquor. And even then, alcoholism, the word alcoholism was not in my life. I, that was Grandpa. I never knew him to be drunk, or maybe I never knew him to be sober. I don't know, but he's a wonderful person. I um, didn't run into really any more problems with alcoholism until later in my life. Um, my husband and I were married in, in 1950. In May, the previous August, my mother remarried. Uh, my father died when I was very young. And over the next few years, my stepdad started drinking, continued drinking heavily. And even, even at that, I did not think of him as an alcoholic. He was somebody who drank on the weekends. He worked during the week. He drank on the weekends. So I don't know at what point in my life... Um, alcoholism formed in my mind or anything else. It, it just was there. I, um, my father died when I was about nine and a half. And I had to take care of my sister. My mother had to go to work and it was just, oh, past the depression years and it was a struggle. And at that point in my life, I thought I had been born to take care of my sister, help take care of my mother, and uh, that was my 
role in life was to take care of people. My sister being so much younger, she was eight and a half years younger, uh, had a very difficult start in life. I was very angry when my father died, and uh, I think that carried through with me for a long time. Uh, when we got married, we'd known each other since childhood. And even though I dated and had several proposals through that period of time, he was the one I wanted. And I still believe in destiny. I believe that, that there are people who are made for each other no matter what. Slowly over the years, we partied. We had um, good times. And uh, what was amazing, though, when I drank too much, I had hangovers. When he drank too much, he didn't. And you know, that that's kind of tough. <laughs> um, let me back up just a little bit. We had two children, one in 1951, a son, and then our daughter was married, or born two years later. And we had a rough time those first few years. And um, money was short, and we worked hard to get what we had. We've always had to work hard for what we've had. Somewhere along the line, money freed up a little bit and um, enjoy a few beers now and then. And I know my husband comment, com commented one time, I, I got him a birthday present after we moved to California, and it was a, a bottle of gin and a martini pitcher and martini glasses. And uh, I thought that was um, an accomplishment of status we could now afford more than beer. And we'd have the neighbors in for dinner, and we'd have drinks. And even so, it stayed on a, a social level, a happy level. Later on, uh, we left California. We moved to Santa Fe. And uh, it was still more or less social drinking. Ultimately, we moved to Florida, and uh, I don't know, things got um, emotionally mixed up at that time. And um, the last year we were there, we had a, a pool in our backyard. And it was so nice to come home from work, pour a drink, and go out and relax by the pool. And it got to be a habit. And of course, habits lots of times take over. We left Florida and decided to moved to newer ground. And you know they say, they say when you move from one place to another, you don't leave your problems behind, you take them with you. And we have done that many a time. Um, you can't say, okay, problem, you stay there, I'm going somewhere else. It, it goes with you, it always has. Anyway, we sold our house, we sold most of our furniture, and we put the rest of it in storage and decided to head west. We didn't know where we were going. We drove two cars. We had three dogs. And I carried the dogs. He carried the map. And we had CB radios. Every, evening, every afternoon, we'd stop at a certain time and stop at a motel. And, and it was happy hour time. So we could get good night's sleep and start out on the road early the next morning. And I remember one night, we were stopped for dinner and exhausted. And I had too many to unwind on. It was about all I could do to get back to the motel room. And I thought, why am I doing this? And from that point on, I, I started cutting back. I 
didn't want to feel that way anymore. And I don't believe I've ever been an alcoholic. I think I was going along for the ride. I didn't want to say no because it would um, interfere with my friends. I didn't want to back off and be the uh, fuddy-duddy of the crowd. We um, originally had, were heading for Alaska. We made it to Cody. And uh, his folks lived in Cody. We spent four months there until we decided what we were going to do. It was great. Happy hour started at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And um, his folks were great for setting that 3 o'clock time. We had a good time. We enjoyed it. Ultimately, we ended up, uh, my husband got a job with the state down here in, in Cheyenne. And, um, oh, things kind of went along. Eventually, I, I got a job, and we could afford more. We could do more, party more, have more friends that drank with us. And it um, got worse. It just got worse. In 1983, my father-in-law died real suddenly. And I had gotten very, very close to him. He um, was kind of the father figure that I'd, I'd missed out on. And we were very close, and so it was, it was very traumatic for us. Um, when he passed away after the funeral, we decided we'd better bring his mother down to Cheyenne, take care of her. She was not well. That was quite a challenge. Uh, how many people would take their mother-in-law in? She was a rather domineering, difficult person to get along with. But being the caretaker I've always been, I've got to take care of her. And uh, I knew, though, if we had left her in Cody, she wouldn't have lived two months. And I did not want that on my conscience. I could not handle that. We had become very close over the years. So we moved her down to Cheyenne, ultimately had to sell her house and, and um, all that sort of thing. <coughs> I got to the point that I couldn't handle the job, taking care of her, whatnot. So my husband took over doing quite a few of the duties so I could take care of his mother. I ended up having to go to therapy for a year. I just about went to pieces. I think that therapy, I don't know if my therapist was an Al-Anon member or not, but after being an Al-Anon for a while, I firmly believe she was. She taught me a lot. Uh, that I have learned since in Al-Anon, and it cost me $30 an hour. <laughs> it, um, we had a sharing meeting this morning on um, what has Al-Anon done for me and what do I owe Al-Anon. Al-Anon has given me, given me a life that I, I like. Al-Anon has given me back a personality that I like. Uh, it's make me, made me appreciate uh, my husband and his struggle getting through into recovery. I, um, we have our daughter and our son back in our life and our beautiful grandchildren. I am doing finally doing things that I want to do rather than what someone else wants to do. I can say no without feeling guilty. I can accept people for who they are, not the way I want them to be. I can accept them that they're their own individual. I had a problem with that for a long, long time, and I have days when I still do that. I think everyone ought to read my mind, 
and I expect a lot and I have to stop and think they can't read my mind and how can I expect someone to do something if I don't open my mouth and say so and I don't have to have my feelings hurt if they say no and you know that that's that's a big big lesson I, I've learned um, so much in this, these short years and I, I've found so many true friends in Elanon and even AA you know it's amazing when you stop pouring the drinks how fast your friends disappear it um, I mean oh we're devoted for life we're exceptional people you know we'll be your friends forever no matter what boy you cut off that liquor and bingo they're gone and then you stand there and wonder why well it took me a while to realize that they are not true friends there's no way that they can be true friends if they're going to do that. We have some friends that have stuck by us both ways, and they're marvelous people. I, um, our, our son is, is quite a character. He um, spoke at, at one of our district meetings. That was, that was a very humbling meeting because they'd asked me to speak, and I had never done so in my life, and I said, well, I'll have to stop and think about it. So then they asked if they, I put John on the phone. They asked him to speak, and he said yes right away. And uh, I'd already offered my son without asking him. Now, you know that's a good Elanon thing. So anyway, after my son accepted, my husband accepted. I said, well, I guess I can do it too. But it was very humbling for all three of us to be speaking at the same meeting. It was very gratifying to see all three of us in recovery. I. Um, Thank my higher power every day for our family being on the road to recovery. It's um, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Coming over tonight from the motel, my stomach was full of butterflies, and I um, have had a few talks with my higher power since they asked me to speak tonight. And I couldn't hardly eat my dinner. Most of it's back at the motel in the go box. And the waitress kept saying, don't you like it? Is there something wrong with it? No, just leave me alone. <laughs> and we're driving over. The sun broke through the clouds and the rays were floating down. And I knew I could stand up here and say something without too much hassle. I um, give back to Al-Anon um, by sharing at the meetings. I am... Like Judy said, group representative for one group, district representative, which has been a very learning experience. I intend to stay in Lalanon the rest of my life. It gave me my life back, and I hope to keep it. I um, have to thank my husband. You know, being, being an AA is, is quite a chore also. They have their own program. They have their own struggles, and I've learned to leave him alone and let him do what he has to do, whether it's nothing or whatever. And this last three to four years has been absolutely wonderful. We celebrated our 45th anniversary this last May. And if we both had not gotten into recovery into our programs, we would never have made it that far. And now I'm rest assured we'll make our 50th. I just, I just know it. And like I said, uh, they say you can't teach old dogs new tricks, but boy, I learned. 
I really did. I, um, my son has a wonderful wife and five beautiful children from the ages of almost 12 down to six months. And I don't know how he managed, but he managed to get a wife that does not enable him. And when I heard his story, uh, he'd been in drugs and uh, into alcohol, and she asked him one day, why can't you go one day straight? And he says, well, you got to help me. She says, no, I don't. You got yourself in this situation. You got to get yourself out. I think that's when he hit his bottom or was getting close to his bottom. They say everyone has to hit a bottom. I know I hit my bottom almost four years ago. I um, had threatened divorce. I had threatened going away. I had gone to California to my mom's a couple of times. I packed a suitcase a few times and went to motels over the weekends because I thought that would stop the drinking. And it didn't. It got worse. It didn't make me feel any better. It didn't um, make my husband feel any better. And finally, I had a night of total surrender. I um, knew that I could not continue living the life we were living. I stayed up most of the night, and um, I've told this before. We've always had the serenity prayer hanging in our, in our house somewhere. But that night, I really looked at it. I really looked at it. I said it over and over and over. Finally, it told me what it was saying. There was a lot of things in my life that I could not control. There were some things that I could control, and I was one of them. So I stayed up most of the night, and I had made up my mind what I was going to do. And I thought, oh boy, this is... I'm, I'm afraid, I'm scared. But you know, after talking to God and reading that serenity prayer over and over and finally realizing what it was saying, all the fear left me. And the following morning, I called my supervisor at work and said, I'm not going coming in today, I've got something I've got to do. She said, okay. So my husband came downstairs and he said, why haven't you gone to work? And I said, well, we've got to talk. You better pour you a cup of coffee. And so I presented what I was going to do, not what I was threatening to do. I was going to do it. And I told him, I said, this is what I've got to do. And instead of crying and being afraid anymore, I said, I'm going to work. Went up and got in my work clothes. I went to work, and everyone said, well, what are you, what are you doing here today? I thought you were going shopping or something. Well, I changed my mind. And I stayed fairly calm the whole day. I mean, I was so much at peace. And serenity, uh, it surprised me. It absolutely amazed me. I came home that night, and um, plans were already being made for my husband to go into CDC at DePaul. He contacted the insurance company, um, and I was elated. We, um, it was a rough month getting through that 28 days. And later on he told me that that was God's way of telling him he had hit his bottom. That God had talked through me 
he had no idea what to do, where to go, or anything else at that time. And um, I think he still feels to this day that God worked through me to him, and I'm so grateful. I didn't come into Al-Anon until a month after uh, he went into recovery. I, I don't know what it was. I went to the family program. I um, still didn't have quite the courage to walk into a meeting myself. I had met a, another fellow who was in CDC, and I had met his wife, and it was like, um, oh, I don't know, we just drew to each other. And her and I went to our first Al-Anon meeting together, and um, we are still very close, very close friends. The first meeting I walked into was 12-step. Well, can you imagine walking into the 12-step on your first meeting? What are they talking about? I had no idea. And, but for some reason, I went back. I um, have continued to go back. I still attend two to three, sometimes four meetings a week, not because I need them, but because if I run into a problem, I've got my meetings there to help me through it. You not too long ago, I got up on a Sunday morning. I, I'm kind of irritable, you know, just crazy. And you know that needle in a haystack? Well, one little word was said, and it just, bingo, I went crazy. And instead of raising sand and getting in an argument and saying things that I would have regretted, I took the keys. I went up to Lions Park. The sun was shining on the lake. It was absolutely beautiful. And uh, all of a sudden, the trout started jumping. And I thought, why am I angry? Why am I resentful? Why am I feeling this way? There's no need for it. It's a beautiful day. And I probably stood up there for about an hour meditating and talking to my higher power and, you know, just turned my day around. So, you know, some of these little things don't mean anything. I read something in the forum. I wish I had brought it with me. Uh, and I'll try to... I'm not good at memorizing little things, but it was something like, if the problem is too small to commit it to prayer, is it a problem after all? And that helps me through a lot of little things. You know, I can handle the big things. That's no problem. Should we go to war with Russia or buy a house or sell a car or whatnot? You know, I can handle all that. But it's the little things that nag and build up. And I try not to, to let things build up anymore. Um, I either speak my peace or forget it. My sponsor says if it's um, affecting my breathing, then it's a problem. If it's not affecting my breathing, forget it. I um, have a very wonderful sponsor. Um, she's helped me through the steps. She um, shares a lot with me to help me get through my, my problems. Sometimes we just talk. And bingo is something I needed to hear. All the meetings I go to, there's something I need to hear. I uh, don't have to take everything in that's said at a meeting because some of the things don't relate to me. I um, might hear something one meeting and two weeks later it hits me, oh, I needed to hear that. I thoroughly enjoy coming to these these meetings. I see people. I first first time I came to a uh, election meeting was here in Laramie. 
and I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know anybody. My sponsor drug me in by my hand and said, this is it. Okay, now what are we doing? <laughs> and I've gone to conferences, I've come to business meetings, and I, oh, I love the people. I love coming to these, these groups. I um, have to thank my life, my family's life, for the program, for A, for Al-Anon. And I hope I haven't bored you too much. I think I've said all I can say tonight. And um, have a safe trip home tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of the, the business meeting. Thank you.